right, once again, everyone, it is another episode of Video Vampires. With with Jessica and Mickey. Yeah, we're yeah. Both here. <laughs> yeah, we're both here. We're both here. Um, so what's up? What you been watching? Oh, man. So I've actually been watching a lot of stuff, and I'm going to go through the whole list. And some of the stuff okay. I've watched, you know, we've rented, and some of the stuff we've um, we watched on, on Joe Bob's Last Drive-In, which is now finally done, and I'm heartbroken. But whatever. Oh no, it's done done. No, no, like, it's not done done. It's, it's done done. It's done done until next. But I mean, like, this is not a good time to like be deprived of your comfort. You know, like that. That's true. That thing that you look the forward sadness. to on Fridays. Yeah. Um, uh, I watched. Uh, we watched Swallow. Um, which is. Oh yeah, I keep wanting to watch that. It's very good. It's excellent. It is a horror movie, but it's not a horror movie the way I thought it was going to be a horror movie. I was like, I think I was expecting something a little different. Uh, this was my wife's pick. She wanted to really wanted to watch it, and we, we um, we rented it. And I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is this is very disturbing. This is very terrifying, but not, not in their traditional horror movie sense." I thought there was gonna be when they were like, "Oh, this is a great body horror movie." I was like, "I thought it was gonna be like, you know, when we think of body horror, where like something's happening to your body that's unexplainable, where like, you know, you you have a tumor that starts talking to you, or like you, you know, you have a weird vagina in your stomach, or something like that. Whereas, like, this is really about like a real life um, compulsion that some people have, where they just to swallow uh, objects. They 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 get off on the well, they don't get off, but they enjoy the sensation Matt, of swallowing. Have you ever seen that show on TLC? Fuck no. What show? Dude, the weird, my weird, it was like my weird addiction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With how to swallow her on there. They were like, I like to swallow pens. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, why? Exactly. That's exactly what this was. Um, but it was good. And then um, we watched The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which is uh, one of the best movies I've seen in the past few years. I We were going to go see it last. I was the asshole. I was like, we were going to go see it last year, but it was only playing like, you know, um, I think like more on the west side, and I was like, "No, let's just wait till it plays." No, it was playing the ArcLight. I was like, "I don't want to spend, I don't want to go to the ArcLight to go see it." I was like, "Why don't we just wait till it plays like you know the Vista or, or the Los Feliz, like one of the smaller theaters by us?" And it never did. And um, but it's on it's on Amazon. We watched it, and it is fucking fantastic. I recommend it to everyone. Um, yeah, I gotta see that. It's been on my list for a while, but I, we talked about this earlier. I thought it was gonna be like sad, sad, like. That I'm gonna have to have a few days of like no. inside time to recover, but you were like, no, like that. No, no, it's yeah, it's like I said, it's not, um, it's not gonna break your heart in lieu of like, you know, current events or anything like that. It's just, it's gonna break your heart in other ways, but it's not like I said, it's not like a, it's not a sad movie. It's a beautiful, it's a, it's like a, I don't, I don't want to say coming of age story. It's like, but it's a story about two friends. And, you know, and it's just, it's really good. I don't want to give anything away. I had, I really didn't know, the trailer does not give you an idea of what the movie's about, um, mm-hmm. really. So, and, and, you know, so it's like, it's this guy who, um, you know, he lives with his friend. He, like, sleeps on his friend's floor and everything like that. And he's, like, kind of, he's kind of drifting and, um, or aimlessly wandering through life. And he, but he's obsessed with this house that he, uh, he had lived in when he was younger um, with his family before they had to move out and he's beca- he's obsessed with his house and he always wants to, like and he always like comes by and like tries to like fix it up even though people are living inside like he's like he'll like trim the fucking you know the certain you know like the, the lawn or stuff like that you know he's like trying to maintain it because it means so much to him and then i don't want to give anything away from there but it's really fucking good and then um so i watched that and then i watched a movie that i told you about before we started recording called scare package that was on shutter that was on joe bob's last drive-in that movie was 
delightful. It was one of my favorite horror movies the past few years. Um, it's really just, it's, it's, it's I, we had so much fun watching it. Uh, it's an anthology film that's bookended or like, or that has like, it's the, the through line, the story, of the through line is, uh, it, it all taking place at a video store and then it's a bunch of short horror films that are like horror comics, some great people making some really cool shit. Um, and then, uh, those are the new things that I've watched. And then I showed my wife, um, the Last Dragon, which she had never seen before, um, and you haven't seen before either, and I recommend that you do that. You fix that too. Um, I think it would make a really good double feature with Last Black Man in San Francisco. And by really good double feature, I mean there's no co- there's really no common theme at all. It's just just watch them both because I think they're <laughs> just just knock them both out of the way because they're really good. Um, but The Last Dragon, for those who have seen it, you know everybody knows it's a classic um, '80s kung fu film with like an awesome Motown soundtrack. It's got Vanity in it who like um is amazing. She was amazing. Like I was I was actually talking to this one of our, our previous guests, Solomon. Um me and him were talking and I was just saying how like when I when I rewatching Last Dragon, which is not like no one's gonna win no one in that movie's gonna win an award for acting. But Vanity did have like this presence about her that was really like you you get drawn to her very easily and she's like I said she's not the world's greatest actress. But I, I guess what I was saying was I wonder what type of movie Purple Rain would have been if Vanity had been in it as intended before they broke her and Prince broke up. I mean, that being said, I love Prince. I love Purple Rain. Purple Rain is one of my favorite music music films. I wouldn't guess I wouldn't call it a music, uh, musical, but like it's one of my, that and Rock and Roll High School are like the two for me, you uh-huh. know. Um, but I just wonder what it would have been like if Vanity been in it. Um, and then I sh- showed her my wife Reefer Madness, the original what 36 37 film um we ate some edibles watched reefer madness um <laughs> and if you know it's just it was yeah it was just one of the, it's like one of those ridiculous movies you see at least once in your life um because you know it was like it was when they were trying to scare people like into like not doing drugs you know and being like if you have any marijuana you're going to you know you're going to try to rape somebody you're going to try to murder somebody or you may actually murder somebody. it's like the most like ridiculous like anti-drug um propaganda but you know it was like a it was a classic midnight movie in the 70s um you know and like new line cinema had gotten a print of it and they had been circulating that around the college campuses so that was cool and that was how they that was how they sustained a lot of business until they started you know producing their own stuff and um and even in nightmare on street 4 there's a scene where she's like in the theater and she's watching and reefer madness is playing on the screen and it's like it's just you know it's one of those movies that you've you've seen clips of and you don't even realize it and it's fun. I I, I sincerely recommend it. And then I've been watching TV more than I usually do. Uh, again, Solomon and I were talking about this, and he had got me into a Legendary on mm-hmm. HBO, which if you haven't been watching, you. No. Is that the wait? Is that the um the DC show? No, it's the ballroom um competition. Oh, you know, like Paris is burning, okay. like ballroom, like, you know, you have a bunch of, oh, these, really? yeah, you have these different houses that are competing and they're like, you know, they have Vogue competitions and they have, um, you know, I don't know. All I know is that like, it, it, it reminds me of when I used to watch, when we, when I used to live in my old apartment, my roommates and I would watch Chopped again, you know, Solomon and I would watch it together and we would, we would be the only two people in the apartment crying because like some of these, like some of these like stories are like tear jerkers, you know, and like. Uh, legendary is the same thing where like before, like, you know, one of the competitions, like one of the houses will like talk to like the members of their, you know, 
uh, of you know of the house, you know, and it's like you know it's people who like had problem had struggles, you know, coming out when they were younger, or you know, or trying to get their family to accept them, or lost somebody, you know, recently, you know, like there's just like all I know is that like I was watching it, my wife was just like, "Are you crying?" And I'm like, "How could you not be crying? <laughs> this is these are tears." That sounds just like we're here, except like they go to the different small towns. Yeah, just kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's also on HBO. That's cool. I didn't even know about it, but it's like HBO turned into HBO Max, which is like it's kind of overwhelming. And then like all of a sudden, now you're just like inundated with content. And now I'm just like every time I look at the app, I'm like, ah, I don't even know what to press. I'm just gonna turn it off. Uh, yeah, I, I I agree. I know the same feeling, and it's like, but let me put it this way: like Legendary is is light years above and beyond. Wait, what? What do they also have on their friends? You know. Um, although yeah, they, I don't know. I don't care about friends. They do have all the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, including the episode where Will's dad shows up and Will gets really excited and then his dad turns out to be a fucking loser again. And, you know, speaking of things that made me cry, that episode, whoa. Um, so Fresh Prince Dude, of Bel-Air. So many, <laughs> yeah. so many episodes of Fresh Prince made me cry. When he got a gun. Carlton. <laughs> yeah, and I was actually I was <laughs> talking about that. I was just talking about that recently uh, with people where I was like, "How could you not have cried during that episode where like Will yelled at him because he's ugh, I don't even want to talk about it because then I'll start crying and then this podcast won't be, you know, the <laughs> the fun loving, uh, you know." I mean, HBO Max is really cool, and it is, and I I wanted to like really dive into it. It's really overwhelming, and so I've just been going back to like what I've been watching. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, which is I've what? Been watching, so it's funny because I've been rewatching Pose, which I fucking, dude, it's the best show. I don't, Brian Murphy, I think, is a psychopath, and I probably talked about that when we were talking about Hollywood because it's just so fucking weird. But Pose is so good, dude, so good. I've, I've already blown through the first season again, and now I'm on the second season, and it's just like every episode I cry, or like I think happiness or sadness, like. You know, there's like so many different reasons to cry. Yeah, the cast is just so good, and they're just so likable, and they go through so many topics, especially about like you know sex work and drugs and like criminal activity. But it's just like you know, this is just a way of how people survive. So I don't know. I fucking love it. Also, I've been rewatching Atlanta, which I know I've talked about in our earlier episodes. Um, Atlanta is probably the best show on TV, and I feel like will have to know that <laughs> it is so good the second season is a hard it's like a horror show like from start to finish it has like the items before they have like this tinge of horror and like dude some of the episodes are so good like um i had watched the one where you know uh childish is in like white face for a character that's in it and the character is so frightening and he is so good in it. It's just, it's brilliant. Even the, the next episode, like, some of the shots, too, like, um, you know, they're in Atlanta, but there's a shot where he, like, goes through this, like, this woods, and it's, like, is it, like, horror-themed? There's, like, a guy, you think he's a mental case or a crackhead, but is he su- sort of supernatural? It's, like, <laughs> it's really fucking scary and really good and really funny. Uh, I I think those are two the two best shows on TV for sure. Um, and then Joel Schumacher died. Yeah. Um, you know he did the Lost Boys. 
Um, he did Flat Eight Millimeter, Man. which is one of the movies I rewatched. Um, he did a lot of shit actually. But, uh, he did Falling Down, Infamous, L.A. Yeah. movie. The uh, the Army Navy store is like a box down the street. Mm-hmm. I've been in there a bunch of times. Got some cool knives. I heard they're closing though, which is fucking sad because that place has been there for forever. Um, and Eight Millimeter with Nicolas Cage, Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Um, James Gandolfini. Fuck, I forgot that guy's name when he's like the German or Austrian Peter Stormare. Yeah, he's in it. It's I really like it. Now, his later movies are not really um, rated that well, I guess you could say. 8mm, I think, is really underrated. I We have like this version of Nicolas Cage that's like a little bit eccentric, but like still believable and serious. And Joaquin Phoenix, this is before, you know, he was, I think, like, a super serious actor in it, but he plays, like, this porno store clerk that's, like, helping Nicolas Cage find um, this woman's, this story of this woman that was murdered in a snuff film. Uh, This girl, wasn't she, like, a teenager? Yeah, she was a teenager, and, like, so he's investigating this whole underworld of, you know, snuff films and porn and shit like that. Right. Oh, the number 23. Can you hear me? <laughs> I almost now, wish. I, I like it. I do. I can't help it. I've, I've, now, this movie, um, it has Jim Carrey in it. And, you know, there's there's a lot of weird things with the number 23. Like, this is a thing that people are already obsessed with, too. So I just want to put that out there. But um, it's about Jim's, Jim, you know, you have that, like, reckoning. You're like, oh, fuck, like, uh, you're reading, he finds this book and he's reading the story and like the story is actually about him, but, um, and how fucking crazy he is. And it, it is not a highly reviewed movie. This movie, um, did not do well. <laughs> it is, it is bad. And like, I love a lot of bad movies. Obviously we did go ship. Um, but this, this movie's terrible and I, I really kind of love it. Have you ever seen it? Uh, no, I remember when it came out, the, a friend of ours, a friend of mine who actually, the, the guy who did the theme song for our podcast, he saw it and he was just like, he didn't know that it was supposed to be like a serious movie. He thought when he went, he said, he told me, he was like, because I, I, I hung out with him after he saw it. He's like, I thought it was a comedy until I realized that it was completely meant to be taken seriously. And I was like, oh yeah, that's, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's, that was the movie you just saw, but uh, I've not seen it. I think everyone should watch it. It is, I mean... I, I'm very entertained by it. Like, sometimes I'm very entertained by, like, really simple, like, dorky things. And this movie covers it. Like, there's Jim Carrey as, like, a weird fantasy version of himself um, playing a saxophone. And he's, like, a badass. And, like, <laughs> it's so weird. Oh I really gosh. do. I really like it. And, like, I'll back it to this day. I don't, I don't know. You know, Jim Carrey has some weird roles. But I kind of love it. I know it's not good. So don't try to tell me anything about it you know how bad it is because i know hey. but i still like it hey you know what to each their own <laughs> i think you should watch it i like some bad stuff too but all right you know what maybe i will maybe i will i will i don't i can't guarantee that i will but i i will say for the for the sake of this podcast i will give it a go um I, you know, I, I, what I like about Joel Schumacher is, and I don't like all of his movies. I actually think that there's a lot of his movies. I thought 8mm could have been, a, I liked it. I saw it in the theater. I thought it could have been a better movie if somebody else had directed it. Um, that being said, yeah. that being said, this is a guy who, when, after the fucking, the utter, dr- like, you know, drumming that he got from, uh, you know, Batman and Robin, 
He was the first one to say it was my fault. He didn't blame anybody else. He didn't blame the studio. He said, this is all on me. And I really, really, really respect that. Um, <laughs> and, you know. Yeah, at least he owned up to it. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, but it makes you, makes it, when I, you know, it makes when you watch his other stuff, you, like later after Batman and Robin, like he did a great movie called Flawless that I think people should watch with De Niro and Philip Seymour Hoffman. He did Phone Booth, which was written by Larry Cohen, who did uh, God Told Me To. Yeah. You know, um, the, the Joel Schumacher directed that. And like, these are, all, but it made me respect, maybe I wasn't as nervous going into the, going to see those movies. Cause it was like, Oh, at least he knows he fucked up. Cause it would be one thing if he didn't think he fucked up at all, then you're like, wait a minute. What is this guy's, I, what is this guy's idea of like, you know, good it's filmmaking? Really, I feel like I really want to go back and watch them and like actually take some drugs, you know, to like fit in with the narrative that he was spinning in these weird Batman movies. Like, they are so ridiculous, but like cool and very cartoony though. And I like, but he had these like mass, these great actors, you know what I mean? These like massive actors in this, just being so campy and all of them were just like totally invested in this, this live. Right. I love it. So I think that's what I'm going to do too. Is like, I, I uh, mentioned that, you know, eight millimeter, um, is something that I watched. I was just going through, you know, some of the movies that I had. Oh, Flatliners too, dude. The original Flatliners. I didn't see the remake. I didn't either. Didn't even bother. Don't need to. That movie is frightening. It's very cute. Yeah, I never, I never really liked the ending of, of Flatliners. I always felt like it was, um, it, it's, you know, when you see like a Scooby Doo episode and you're like, oh man, it's gonna be so fucking scary. Like the monster's gonna be so scary, and then you realize, <laughs> and then it's like it turns out to be the guy at the amusement park, you know, or whatever, like. I, I, that's kind of how I feel about Flatliners, where it's like, oh man, I'm so fucking scared. And then the ending was like, yeah, they're all just, they have to all go back and like, un, you know, like resolve the thing that they feel bad about. And it's like, well, that sucks. I don't want to, I want it to be something fucking scarier. But I really love Keith, Keith Sutherland, especially, I think he, I mean, was, that was like what, the, the second movie out of three that he did with Joel Schumacher? So, I mean, they had a good thing going. Yeah, dude, it's, Flatliners is like good for the most part. I really liked it. I haven't yeah. seen it in a. That was like one of the kid movies that like was scary enough that like I was into, but like also like you said, the ending was kind of soft. That like my mom liked it, you know, yeah. but she was still like frightened by it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um. um so yeah, and it's it's June um still, and it's it's um Pride Month, so we wanted to um incorporate you know um not just Joel Schumacher, queer, but yeah. Oh no, no, yeah. I think for our, for our main feature for our next um movie that we wanted to talk about, and I this is my favorite Clive Barker, Clive Barker movie, and um is Lord of Illusions, and we wanted to have him because he's probably also the the most notable horror director, uh, but a queer horror director, and so yeah. it's kind of it sucks because like I was gonna mention this too last time. Anytime that you type in, you know, like queer horror directors or black horror directors or anything other than like you you know regular horror directors you get a very small list and so uh it's really sad that there's like just continually not a lot of representation now you you're getting more and more and you know there's like really great movies coming out like i i know i've talked about knife heart before which is yeah. i just i'm still obsessed with and you have like these really great um characters that are written and it's just it's getting better, but you know, um, Clive Barker, I feel like was one of the, um, sure. obviously in his time, you know, one of the most notable. And so we wanted to do one of his movies. We've already done, we've already done Nightbreed. Yeah. Um, 
I also love Hellraiser, which I feel like we should talk about. Um, well, yeah, I mean, all when, the time. one of the things I wanted I wanted to throw out there though is that you know Joel Schumacher also LGBTQ, but um, not necessarily. I don't. I think aside from Lost Boys Wait, and really? Fla- yeah, I don't think I ever know that. <laughs> really? Oh, um, I I mean I think I think a uh, if you you know I mean he's he was open he was very openly gay, but also um, uh. Tim Capello in in Lost Boys, the saxophone scene. Yeah, I mean, I love oh, that. No. But I was like, that... I, I'm going to talk about that too when we get into Lord of Illusions. But there, like, <laughs> yes, sexy fucking sax man, dude. That man was oiled up. Okay, and Tim Capello's straight, know. but Joel. I'm just saying, Joel Schumacher was like, yeah, but the, we know the yeah. message that he was yeah. there. <laughs> Oil daddies, you know. I get it. So, Lord of Illusions. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Lord of Illusions is my favorite Clive Barker movie. I've We talked about this when we did Nightbreed, but this is my favorite Clive Barker. I fucking love Lord of Illusions. It was done in 1995. It's got some like really gnarly CGI that's not very good, but it's still very endearing, at least to me. I think it's cool. You know, you get some Windows 95 uh, graphics going on here. <laughs> I like it. I do. I like it. But it is. It's, it's, very, it's centered around, you know, this like weird occult cult. Um, you know, centered by this guy, Nix, who has these powers, you know, the first scene of him, he's in, he's in rags and he's got like, he's like juggling this ball of fire and he's got like these people and, and there's a little girl he kidnapped. Um, he's also got a fucking pet monkey, um, a mandrel, which is like a terrifying looking animal. It's like a beast for sure. And so like, he's threatening the child with this monkey that's like scratching her and then comes in Swan, who was like originally part of his cult. And he saves this little girl, and then now it fast forwards to what, like 15, 13 years in the future. I think, oh, um, hopefully, I mean ten, I think, right? But yeah, yeah, whatever. it's like it's something, it's something, you know, sure. all, along the lines of that. We, we fast forward into the future now. They didn't actually kill um, this this Nix, um, but what they did is bind him, and so they have this like man in the iron mask type of thing to like. And they buried him in the ground, um, and they they were hoping that he would die or they'd be rid of him. But it's like you get the feeling that Nix is coming, and then um, there's like this um, murder that happens. And so Scott Bakula, who Quantum Leap guys, like fuck, he was just like the the Burt Reynolds of like the sci-fi world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> shots so like i would just want to say there are so many crotch shots there are so many crotch shots in lord of illusions i don't know if you noticed nikki mickey but i noticed no i didn't i didn't oh my god there's a great scene of like scott bacula like shirtless all the time and he's like kind of sweaty and hairy oh he looks great but there's also like him in his underwear i'm like boom and i was like this is great because i don't get to see a lot of this especially in in horror there's a lot of boobs but there's less you know less manly shots and and I'm looking for him, and I found him. So thank you, Clive Barker, for this. Um, but yeah, and so and so Scott Bakula is is on the scene investigating, and um, there's this uh, now Swan is now this major big time illusionist because he actually has real power that um, was inherited to him by Nix before they were able to bind him, um, and he's using it to pretend he's a magician. And this is what I love: it's like he's a magician that's pretending, or he's a, he's a real like magic guy or wizard pretending to be a magician and he talks about that where he's like that's where the money comes in you pretend to be an illusionist um it's this great hollywood noir type of movie like 
you have Hollywood, you have Pantages, you have the fucking Magic Castle, which is like one of my favorite places on earth. You have the cemetery, like this is a very LA movie. Um I really love it. I, I love the relationship between all of them. It is just so cheesy old Hollywood, but it's like it's a movie that is so serious, but it also makes fun of itself a little bit in the dialogue, you know? Like there there's very simple things like where he's like well, what what happens now? He's like, I guess he's resurrected, and Scott Bakula just goes, well, "Fuck." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's there's definitely a self awareness that I really like. Um, it's it's just so good. The music, Simon Boswell, is so fucking great. Yeah. Um, dude, the scenes of inside, and I don't even know if they're all um, inside the Magic Castle. I know some of them are because I I can recognize. Yeah, them I do too. I've been there so many fucking times, but. Um, that's like my adult dream is to like break into the magic castle and like find secret files and like secret walls that open up. Like, oh my god, this is like so beautiful. This movie is like poetry to me because it's just like everything I want. And now there was a difference. I don't know. I didn't see this movie in the theaters. This was like a you know a VCR tape that I got from yeah. you know my dad when I was young. But um, there's a director's cut and then there was the theater uh, the theater version. Theatrical now, cut, unfortunately, yeah. there was like a lot of things cut out just so they could get in our our rating, which is just so fucking dumb. So it, it really didn't do well in the theaters, which is sad because I really fucking like it. Um, there's a lot of like nods in this movie too to like other you know horror people. There's a nod to Anne Rice, um, definitely a nod to the Beyond in the end, and then also from Beyond, um, you, you know, you have that same type of. Um, otherworldly other universe or like hell dimension type of vibe yeah d- during this whole movie that's like kind of chasing them um uh daniel von bargain is in this and he plays nix and i i have never seen him the same after this movie he is truly frightening i don't yeah. know what it is you know when uh, okay i'm gonna ruin part of it for you but they take off this you know this thing you know neck nix gets resurrected and they take off that iron mask. Um, and it's like such an ordeal, obviously, because he has to do it correctly in order to resurrect him. And um, they take off the mask and he's just like bloated, yucky body. And then like he's slowly turning back into a human, but he's still disgusting. And then they take off the mask and it's all gooey skin yeah. underneath. It's like so fucking scary. And then his eyes are all bloodshot. Like I, there's not a lot that I actually, that's a lie. I was afraid of so many things as a kid. I thought there was trolls in my walls from Cat's Eye. Yeah. But also, this character, Nyx, has never left me. I, even rewatching it, I'm, I feel like I'm frightened. I hate it. If someone was dressed as that in, you know, Halloween, I would probably run away and cry because it's just so frightening to me. But, yeah. I, I fucking love this movie, dude. Like, I, I think we're going to fight about it. I think we are. But but I why why hold on hold on hold on here's things this movie is brilliant I I do here's things I really like Lord of Illusions a lot is it my favorite Clive Barker movie no um but what is uh I mean I I think I think it's gonna go in order for me it would go Hellraiser Nightbreed and then uh, Lord of Illusions but um here's the here's what I I I totally agree with you the special effects here's the the makeup effects are amazing the special effects are not so amazing um but there's they only okay. This is another thing that I really like about it is uh, there, there's some special effects that are really dorky. And this is also 1995. So do you remember that weird hologram phase yeah. that, like, was happening? Yeah. And it, it was a weird thing. It was, like, in a lot of sci-fi, it was in, like, arcades. Like, you had yeah. these really bad, like, 
this is so this is I know which part you're record. talking about too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the weird the weird um, diamond man that like you know, at one point when he's like in the house and he like goes to where the body is and then there's that weird like diamond man that turns into a diamond and then diamonds away and it's like yeah. it I drives me nuts. I that's that is specifically what I can't stand. However, the, I think the special effects I like I said the makeup effects are are great. The special effects pick up towards the end and that's something I wanted to point out because you had said this before when we were talking about it and I really think it's worth noting that one of the great things about this movie is that this this villain, you know, this Nick's character is only in the beginning and only in the end, really. But yet you feel him throughout the entire he he's a he's an important part throughout the entire story. I really love I think it's a testament to the actors. This is let me tell you the things I like about Lord of the Illusions before I before I go into some of my things I don't like. Um I love all the actors. I love Daniel Von Bargen. Um I Kevin J. Yeah, Kevin J. O'Connor who plays Swan, he's also yes. in There Will Be Blood. He plays the guy who pretends to be Daniel Plainview's brother. Um, he is so good at being so afraid. Like, you you know that Nick's, this character is, because he, the idea is that he is, he was Nick's, um, he was his, like, most prized pupil. He was the one who was going to, you know. Murder the world with him. Exactly. And then he turns on him. So there's, but he's so afraid. Like, there's a great scene in the very beginning when they're like, they're driving up. They're like, the dread that you feel in the beginning of this movie and the end is so. It's like there's two different movies going on. You know, there's the private detective stuff that will come into in the middle, but that beginning and that end of this movie are so. They're fucking scary. And like, so the part where he's like walking through in the very beginning, he's got the gun and he's like, he's shaking his hands. And it's like, you totally believe that this guy is afraid of whatever they're going to face, you know, Kevin J. O'Connor's character. Um, I have to say that I think one of my favorite parts of this entire movie, and I'm surprised you didn't mention it, is, and th- I'm not joking, this is me being serious, I love the actor Barry Del Sherman, who plays Butterfield, who plays not Nix's, you know, right-hand man, but, like, the, his most devoted um, yes. disciple, who is, who's basically trying to, he's trying to, he spends the middle of the movie trying to, to, to resurrect Nix, and, um, look, the guy is fucking creepy, and he's running around in a weird skin-tight gold, you know, pants. Yeah, he looks he looks great. He's, like, weirdly androgynous, you yeah. know? Um, he looks like if Billy great. Corgan was a villain in, you know? Yeah, like a skinny villain. Yeah. Um, but he's also, like, and my whole thing is, like, the scalp and, like, I don't know how everyone has to know how fucking sharp scalpel, scalpels are, which is, like... It's better than a knife. I feel like it's much scarier than a knife, too, because you also have, like, weird intentions and even says it. He's like, I would love to be a doctor in yeah. another life. <laughs> yeah, as he's, like, cutting somebody open. Yeah. Um, you got that weird neo-Nazi with the fucking shaved-in teeth for no reason, too, which is great. He's just, like, a devoted disciple for no reason. Yeah, I really He's a devoted. That. That's what I love is that he's a devoted disciple to the devoted disciple. Yeah. You know? It's great. It, it's a hierarchy. Uh, yeah, there's a great moment where, like, you know, he's, like, he, you know, like, the, the the weird, bald disciple dude is, like, screaming at Scott Bakula, and Butterfield puts his hand on his shoulder, and the guy immediately just kind of, like, crumbles and, like, kind of, like, you know, in, like, you know, like, the way you would feel, like, if your, your parent put a reassuring hand on your shoulder. It was, like, such a weird moment, but... um I, I do like this movie a lot, and I do like I, I like I said I, my problem is that like the beginning and the end are such a strong, different type of movie. There's two different movies going on here, and sometimes I don't feel like they 
they mesh as well as I would like. Like I love the beginning and end of this movie. I love that when their cultists are, are getting all getting the letters to come home and you just kind of you're panning across all the different the cult members and how they've they've killed their family and loved ones and they're packing up their bags and they're heading out um, back to the desert and like I love that. Um, Scott Bakula, who I love, I actually I've read um, the other. Um, it's weird because I, I watched an interview with Clive Barker after I, wa- I rewatched the movie, and I was like, man, like I just completely disagree with him. But Clive Barker is like, when I saw Scott Bakula on set, it was this was the character I've been writing for ten years. This is Harry Demore, you know, and I was like, man, I feel like I can't shed Quantum Leap away from Scott Bakula. Like I expect. What? I expect Al to show up any minute. I love Scott, but I'm just saying that, like, yeah. it's, it's, I know they were going for this, like, jaded, cynical, private eye, and I never feel like he's that jaded or cynical. I still feel it's Scott Bakula, and I like it. I'm not saying that I, I don't like the character and I don't like the way he played it. I'm just saying that, like, I don't think he played it how I would have imagined. You know, I'm like, I think they wanted more of, like, I, I was expecting more of, like, a Bogart type character, Humphrey Bogart. And say, I feel like that's the vibe I get, though. Like, I feel like that is, like, except, like, it's a little updated because he has, like, a cool back tattoo. Yeah, I know. I just, one of my one of my favorite parts in this movie, which is really fucking funny, is, like, the weird fire monster that's coming after him, and he's fucking shooting it, which I think is so... Yeah, the like, weird fire diamond that, monster. That's what I was talking yes, about. And, well, and um, when he's in the Magic Castle, oh, you yeah. know, the hologram, instead of just, like, you know, trying to turn it off or whatever, he shoots it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that too. Cause it's just like, dude, just like, and he doesn't like the, they, cause I love how he wrote. And, and that's the one thing I was gonna say is like, remember how I said there's two different movies in here. I would even argue there's three different movies. There's, there's the cult story. There's the private detective story. And then there's this weird story about this private detective and his, his sidekick, the, the magician dude. That's, these are all three. There, for me, there's three different movies going on. And, I would like to see more of each of them. Like, I want to see more of a movie with, like, you know, Demore and Billy kind of, like, breaking in and out of different magic repositories and, like, having banter. I like that. But just for me, it's like the the cult story, the, 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 the beginning and the end in the desert is so much more stronger than the middle of it for me. And, like, that, I just, I, I think that's my only real complaint. Um, and, and I do, again, I do like it. Um, but... Also, one thing I got to say about this is that Harry Demore, as the detective, doesn't do a lot of detecting. He 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 kind of falls into. But he he finds the secrets that everyone is hiding, and then pieces them together for us. But it's for him mostly, because you know there's so many. You know, he Swan pretends he's dead, but he's actually not dead. And then he's like, well, "What the fuck is going on?" You know, because they have that great scene too, where he's uh, he finds out that Swan isn't dead, and he's like ripping apart this carcass, and it's pretty believable. Um, but it's made of like plaster or whatever, you know. And so uh, he has to put this story together because even in the in the movie, he he figures it out. Because yeah. at one point they're like, "Shouldn't we just stop and like leave it alone?" And he's like, "No, I want to know why." Yeah, you know? I know, but I mean, I'm just saying that like I feel like he doesn't do as much detecting as he just kind of falls into like he gets fucking lucky, you know. Like um, that's how I feel. Is Harry Demore is. I love his. I love you know honestly he like stuff. yeah he yeah he kind of just charges into things. I love that character a lot. Like in the sense that like mm-hmm. that's what I would want. You know like we we're talking about like you know when when Butterfield's like oh and you know I imagine another life I would have been a surgeon. No, I in another life I wish I was a private detective that specifically 
only dealt with the weird shit that Harry Demore. That to me is really exciting. Like that that glimpse you get into his backstory of like the weird oh, case yes. with the the child who was possessed. You don't know anything about it. You just get moments of it, and you know that whatever it was was so fucked up that it fucked him up. I really like that. Um, so I, I mean, again, there's moments in Lord of the Revolutions that I feel like I, I really love. You know, at the end of the day, though, is I feel like especially compared to Hellraiser and even Nightbreed. Lord of Illusions feels kind of tame for me, except for the beginning no, I, and end. I agree. No, I, I agree. I feel like Lord of Illusions to me is more like a, an old Hollywood noir yeah. than it is um, than it is a horror movie. But what but I mean it is, is that... a horror movie because of the... Yeah. I feel like Hellraiser and Nightbreed are more kinkier, I guess. Does that make any sense? Like, there's more like... They just... They feel... It feels a little bit more... No, I get it. Yeah. Hellraiser feels like perverted almost. Yes, and Nightbreed kind of um, has that kinkiness too, but Lord of Illusions yeah. feels a little bit more straightforward. But I like that because I I really like magic. Like, yeah, I, listen, I I, I, it's David Copperfield. I saw him once and it, it was like the best night of my life because my ex-boyfriend got picked for a trick. Now, <laughs> it wasn't even me. It was, my, it was my fucking boyfriend at the time, but... I got, you know, to see David Copperfield and I also got to see David Copperfield as a kid and I think this is where my whole magic obsession started is um is Lord of Illusions. I fucking love the Magic Castle and I love magic and I love just the point of being suspended in disbelief for a little bit and yeah. I think this movie does a good job because all the characters are just like, yeah, this fucking weird occult magic exists and this is, you know, just what we're going to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> And I like the, and that's one of the things I like about this movie is the idea of like trying to draw the line between or trying to distinguish the line between real magic and illusion and like oh they, yeah they, it's the whole quote uh, divinity and trickery you know, the, yes yeah perfect a perfect quote but but and that's the thing is like you know what the weird thing is that like there's moments like that scene and like the end of the movie where I feel like oh man this is fucking pure Clive because I read a lot of Clive Barker I've read you know books of blood damnation game. Um, I actually read the short story that this is the, the novella this is based on, um, The Last Illusion. But, um, and I've even read Scarlet Gospels, which is another book that has hair. It's the Scarlet Gospels is the last pinhead story um, that yeah. Clive Barker wrote, and it also features Harry Damore, so it's interesting. But um, I feel like this is like Clive Barker's kind of like dumbing himself down for more mainstream audiences. Whereas, like, then you get glimpses of, like, ah, that's pure Clive Barker. Like, again, that scene of, like, you know, that qu that moment of, like, the, the, the line between divinity and trickery. Or, or that awesome line that you referenced earlier when he's, like, you know, I was born to murder the world. And, like, all that dialogue of, like, or do you want to see what, what, how, you know, flesh the way God sees it. And how he, like, gets, how Nix gets into people's heads and makes them see, like, human beings as, like, just weird fleshy. Yeah, like, flesh peeling monsters i don't even know what to describe them they're like just meat. like weird meat yeah meat guts yeah um but see i feel i don't feel like he dumbed it down at all i feel like he wanted to make uh a noir and then also a horror movie yeah like you said you kind of you said there's two different um movies but i feel like he mashed them together in a way that appeals to me yeah very much <laughs> i have fun like, i i feel like it is that old hollywood like you know, the damsel in distress and she's coming to him and she's like, I need your help, you know, except he added a magical and horror entity to it. And that for me is like euphoria. Yeah. Now I know. I thought of you when I was watching it cause I know how much you love magic. And <laughs> and, uh, and I, I'm really like, listen, I'm also into those like shows that kind of like touch on it. Like the magicians. It's, it's really oh, yeah. lame. That's on sci-fi, but it's actually, it, 
the first season wasn't bad. It's like kind of dark and Sabrina, you know, like definitely like cheesy. But this is like uh, I feel like an adult level. But you think he's he's um, stifling part of his his element. But I feel like this is just like a movie that he wanted to make that also he wanted to make scary. I just I I just you know at the end of the day like and I, you just because when you said magic you know again thinking of the magic castle I just realized. That, it's not that I don't like the private detective story. Just I don't think the private detective story is as good of a private detective story as as the beginning and the end of the movie are as good as they are. Those are two solid. That's yeah. a solid horror movie. Whereas the private detective story, another example I'll give you about Harry Moore not being a very good detective is he goes to the Magic Castle. And he meets this old magician. And they're having this great back and forth, and he's like, "Yeah, I was wondering if I could uh, if I could meet some of these guys." And he's like, "Well, it depends on who you know." And he's like, "Yeah, I really don't know anybody." And the magician goes, "Oh, well, you know me." And I was like, I just kept hearing Will Arnett in Arrested Development going, well, that was a freebie, you know? And it's like, and it's like that's, I was just like, man, he's just getting really, he's not so much as detecting as, as much as he's getting lucky and then shooting at shit, which is fine. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. I would have liked a better, I mean, again, I, I do really like this movie. And I, I'm talking shit because, you know, it's fun to talk shit. I really, there's a lot of this movie I really like. And I love all the, again, I know we're going to sound like those assholes that like, LA is the greatest and how much, but I do love LA. And there's that moment where they're in the cemetery and like, you know, he's talking to Swan's assistant. He's like, do you think anybody famous is buried here? And he's like, Oh, maybe. And I'm like, yeah, of course it's Hollywood forever cemetery. That's where like a lot of people are fucking buried. You know what I mean? Like it's an in, it's an in joke. That's like really like, ah, it's cute. And like, you know, again, the Pantages, I've never actually seen the inside of Pantages. I, I have only seen the inside of it through Lord of illusions, you know? Um, I can't stand that magic show though. Like I don't know that that what? that. No, that's my favorite part where the, he's like Houdiniing it and he's trying to get out of the sword. No, no, I sword? love that. I'm talking about the like the the weird David Copperfield s dancers that are like doing that weird dance thing and oh. then like you know I just I hate. I'm, the, I'm all for the show, man. When he's floating and there's like lightning behind him. Oh, yeah. love it. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's so it's so ridiculous. But I mean, like like again, like that, like the dread that you as you as you get as we get as we leave the beginning of the movie and we kind of get into the private text stuff. There's still that little bit of that dread from the beginning, and as we're going into the end of the movie, we get that dread again. We're like, oh shit, he's coming back, and like everybody's yeah. kind of converging in the desert, and like man, that movie is like that's where it gets really fucking intense, and like. My real, this was one of the things, like, a lot of my other gripes are just gripes. Like, like it's me trying to go, what is it about this movie that I'm just not on board with as much as I am with Hellraiser or Nightbreed? However, so a lot of them are just, like, nitpicks. But this is not a nitpick. This is a fact. Lord of Illusions has way too many fucking endings. Way too many <laughs> fucking endings. Okay, so it's like, we we shoot Nick's in the head in the weird weird hole that he's got, right? Yeah, and they like, are like, oh. Yeah, it's like okay, he, everything. You know, Scott Bakula doesn't look at he like the the spell or the 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 curse that Nick's put on is no longer on there, and then nope, Nick's is still alive, and then he um he's gonna kill Fomka Johnson, and then you know Scott Bakula does that weird thing to him like floating in the air and he like whatever and he yeah. and and Nick's goes barreling down to the center of the earth, which is so fucking ridiculous. He's going to the center of the earth where there's just like lava. And he dies. Okay, great. So then, like, Fomke Johnson and Scott Bakula look at each other and they're like, oh, whew. And then, oh, my God, the hole starts rumbling again. And, like, you see, like, Nix's skeleton that hasn't been completely melted by the lava, which is ridiculous. And then, you know, it's like there's so many fucking endings in this movie. But they, 
Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It, they could have ended it at the bullet head, but also, like, he's a super not like, he's been buried in the ground for 13 years, supposedly dead, and he's, like, weird, mush body, and he was just resurrected. So, like, do we really think that he could die that much? But there is a lot of, like, ah, not dead yet. Like, yeah. oh, but we're leaving. <laughs> and, 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 like, that, that to me is just, like, it's just really frustrating. I hear me say, like, the ending, though, like, or the, the lot of stuff in the ending sequence, I guess what you call, like, the the last 15, 20 minutes, like, the cult members all being buried up to their, like, chests. Oh, or, yes. That is so fucking cool. And, like, I just, I guess, I, I really what I really want to, when I see Clive, what I like about Clive Barker is that he never, in his writing, he never goes the route that most horror authors or filmmakers go. And he goes into a little darker pocket of, like, the, the human consciousness and, like, the the human experience. And I feel like with, with Lord of Illusions, it's a little bit, it's more like he's trying to, he's doing a more traditional thing. Whereas, like, Nightbreed is about, like, you know, how, f- like, how far we're going to go for desire and lust and what, and, and wanting something. And, and what happens when we get it? How does it fuck us up? And, like, the idea that you open this box and you're exposed to so much pleasure that it starts yeah, to but- hurt. Lord of Illusions is when you have that power. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the other ones are, like, the the want for power or, yeah. like, the strive for power. This is, like, what happens when you have it and you don't want it. Yeah, and yeah. You, you know what I mean? Like, that's the whole... And and I'd like to think about, like, the also his writing about the characters, Nyx and Swan, together, you know, and, and how jealous of a... And it's funny because yeah. there's a whole line about, about being a god. And he's like, I was... A, a god who didn't want to be i was a man who and thought like, he wanted to be a god and then changed his mind yeah yeah and it's like it's just perfect yeah to me i i feel like i feel like the, i don't think it's like dumbed down or like uh, i don't stifled i just feel like it's a different it's a story that he wrote that is still very yeah. terrifying but that he wanted to make into like a noir no, <laughs> like no, I, I, I just am pregnant like that's I agree. He's like, yeah, this is the feel that I want. But I don't know. I love it. I really do. I mean, I love his other movies. I think we should do, we should talk about Hellraiser because I fucking love it. It's like the horny housewife, like horror fantasy. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what like, it's, that's the movie about like, you know, what, what, what lengths are we willing to go for something that we want? You know, whether it is yeah. power, whether it's pleasure, whether it's, you know, that guy that gave you an orgasm that you've never been able to have since, you know, which is, I mean, more or less what Hellraiser is about, but, um, what we're willing to do. And, um, and I, I, uh, I, I, I really love when Clive Barker goes into that really just uncomfortable place. I never felt uncomfortable watching Lord of Illusions. I never feel, I never feel like, Oh man, is there, is that, there's a little bit of me in there, you know, but there's, and I never feel that way. I do like Lord of Illusions though. I, 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 I can't stress enough. And the dialogue, like I said, like some of the best lines in the fucking movie of any movie, I was born to murder the world is like, I'm sure there's a yeah. million industrial bands that have used that fucking quote. Um, if not, there should be. It's totally um, underused. Yeah. If you're not using it, you fucking go sample it right now. Exactly. It's, it's so hard. It's like the hardest. I just, I mean, um, the only, the only sad cliff note to this whole, or like, like end note to this whole thing is that like, you know, um, Clive Barton, this movie wasn't, you're right, this movie wasn't a success. You know, not, neither was Nightbreed. Nightbreed was, like, it got completely butchered beyond his, like, um, you know, what he wanted by the studio. And and in in Lord of Illusions' case, like, yeah, there was a few cuts and everything, but it's, it still very, feels very much like what he wanted to do. Because I've watched both the theatrical cut and the director's cut, and it's like, um, but uh, it didn't really, it, it didn't launch a career for him the way it, 
it should have. Like, Hellraiser was, like, such a success that it was, like, man, Clive Barker, you know? And then Nightbreed was, man, they were, like, maybe it was a, maybe that was just bad, but it was a fluke, you know? And then as far as box office, and then Lord of Illusions just did not get a bigger cast. He had more money. And yeah, just, it's, it's, um, you know what? It's, um, Bloody Disgusting did a thing on it, too, and it, he talked about, like, all the other movies that it was up against, too, at the box office, you know, when it came out. It's, like, it just was not going to do well. What were the other movies? Do you remember? Uh, I, I have to pull up the article now, but I'll, you know, I'll list them. But there was, like, you know, a lot of, like, family movies. And then, yeah. like, another action film, I can't remember, that came out during the same time period, which which makes sense because especially the 90s was just, like, fucking a machine. Lots of action, lots of, like, weird horror movies. I just, I remember it was, this was the movie that my dad, like, my dad, who was very not into me uh, being into horror movies, this was him trying to come into my my world, you know, so we went to the video store, he's like, oh, I'll, I'll watch this with you, and I was like, okay, and I remember I was kind of let down at the time, because I don't think I was, I just don't think I could have appreciated it, whereas my dad really liked it, because he liked, you know, mystery, the fantasy, and, the, and film yeah, the noir, drama. yeah, I think that we yeah. both, I liked, I liked the, the beginning of, you know, he, liked, my, my dad was a huge mystery fan, so um, I liked the horror in the beginning, and he liked the mystery in the middle, and I think that, like, we just, you know, I, he liked the movie, and I was, I was, he was like, "What'd you think, guy?" And I was like, "I don't know. This wasn't like Hellraiser, Nightbreed, wah, you know." And then, like, as I've gotten older and reevaluate, I'm like, "Oh, actually, there's a lot of it I really like." And to the point where I, I own it now because it's like, yeah, I like it that much, you know. Um, I've watched it several times in the past few years because I'm like, "Hey, I, I, I'm in the mood for Lord of Illusions." It's because it's it's just enjoyable too. Like, it's not so heavy, too, that you're yes. like suffocated by darkness. It's, like, it's just kind of nice. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, let me put it this way. With, I a will... tinge of, with a tinge of terrifying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I will watch Lord of the Rings more casually than uh, Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Illusions. I know, I've been doing that. I was doing that earlier, too. <laughs> God. Um, I, I'll watch Lord of Illusions more casually than I'll watch Hellraiser. Like, Hellraiser, I want to sit down, lights out, got to be in the right mood. Guy, yes. you know, mm-hmm. Lord of Illusions, I put on when I'm like, you know, doing dishes or whatever, because I'm like, oh, I want to, I want something entertaining, and I, I get, I'm just, as much as I don't feel like he's the jaded, cynical detective that I want him to be, I really like Scott Bakula. I really think that you nailed it when you said he's the Burt Reynolds of science fiction in that time period. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I just, I, I do really like him. Although I haven't seen him in a lot of stuff lately, I'm like, I, I was gonna plan on looking him up and be like, what the, what the hell is Scott Bakula doing right now? Uh, yeah, that's a very good point. I, I mean, it's, he, he should be doing more. Let's just say that because I feel like he should. I really, he was the shit. Quantum Leap when I was young was like so fucking cool. Yeah, it it still is pretty fucking cool. I have, I will admit to have rewatch it when it's been streaming and being like this show is just like I hate the theme song because it's so like not what you expect for a it's so sitcom-y yeah yeah it's very weird but the show is really cool yeah I know um but yeah so this is this is our ode to Clive Barker and and queer directors and queer horror directors and and also my dad yeah happy birthday in heaven (laughs) or wherever you are I don't know um but yeah, Lord of Illusions definitely. I just got it's just a, just my favorite. I can't help it. I do love Hellraiser, but like like uh, we just talked about, it's just not the one that I'll go to repeatedly all the time. I feel like Lord of Illusions is like just that enjoyable, and that's why it's my favorite. Yeah, um, and yeah, so like definitely go check it out, and like I have yourself a fucking Clive Barker fucking marathon, I and mean, you can find Clive Barker stuff. 
the you know Clive Barker or Clive Barker produced or related. You know, like uh, we got the new Candyman coming out soon. Yeah. Um, you know, oh man, you know, I just realized that like even though he didn't direct it, Candyman is uh, you know we talked about this work. You know, we we've talked about Clive Barker a lot on this podcast because I realized that we've we've kind of covered some uh some of his his ground. You know, so um. How could you not though in American horror movies? You know. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh he's fucking great. And um yeah, go grab some, you know, Clive Barker time and uh and Yeah, indulge in some adult magic. Ooh. It's really listen. Yes, that yeah. was really that was that was really good. You should not go any further. That was a great way to end it. All right, bye pals. <laughs> bye guys. <laughs> Something is watching. Something is listening. Something is coming. How would you like to see the world the way it really is? What's going on here? Detective Harry Damour is walking a path. I want you to help me. Will you take the job, Mr. Damour? Where do I sign up? Between what can be seen, people are dying here. I want to know why I've heard a name. Somebody they talk about in whispers. Who? Nick's. And what must be feared? Nick's is dead and buried. What the hell is wrong with you people? Haven't you seen enough to know that doesn't matter? No. I don't want him getting in the way. We've always waited too long to have the homecoming spoiled. Every step he takes. Drone. The dark side. Don't like that. Not much. It's your destiny. Accept it. Brings him closer to the truth. It could get into people's heads. Make them see things. Terrible things. See, that's his best trick. No illusions, just the truth. If Nix is back from the dead, then he is some kind of a god. In a world where magic is real, death is the ultimate illusion. I was born to murder the world. Are you ready for my wisdom? It's not real. Stop looking at me! You want to come with me, Damor? I've got so much power to give you. All you have to do is beg. Clive Barker's Lord of Illusions.